Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, a podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. If you're a regular listener, you will know that we have arrived in the 1970s. And today's episode is prompted by a comic that was published on the 15th of January, 1970. What was that comic, I Hear You Cry? What was that comic? Thank you. I'm glad you cried. <laughs> it's issue 117 of The Adventures of Jerry Lewis. Wow. Now, listeners, you may be rolling your eyes and thinking, why the heck are they talking about Jerry Lewis? Well, Issue 117 of The Adventures of Jerry Lewis features an appearance by Wonder Woman. And it's not the first issue of The Adventures of Jerry Lewis to feature an appearance by a DC superhero. Oh no. Issue 112, which was published in March 1969, featured The Flash. Issue 105, published in January 1968, featured Superman. I used to own a copy. And in issue 97 published on the 20th of September 1966 at the height of the craze for the Batman TV show. Batman and Robin made an appearance. Now, listeners, you may be wondering who Jerry Lewis is if you're a young person. If you're an older person, you may not be wondering. What, what, what do we, what's the extent of our knowledge of Jerry? Peter, when did you first hear of Jerry Lewis? I first became aware of Jerry Lewis when I saw the movie The Nutty Professor when I was young. I see. Where Jerry turns from a nutty professor into Buddy Love. Lounge singer and babe magnets. Uh, <laughs> interesting. Also, chain smoker, uh, which was. Um, All right, interesting. Yeah, because, mm, you know, it was the 60s and smoking was cool. Yes, Peter's expecting me to tell you not to smoke at this point. Don't smoke, kids, it's bad for you. When did, Peter, I'm glad you asked me when I first heard of Jerry Lewis. I was about to. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself, David? Well, when I spoke to you this afternoon, before we recorded this episode, I couldn't actually remember, but then I did remember moments ago. Oh, good. My first clear memory of being aware of Jerry Lewis is in Back to the Future, when Marty tells Doc Brown that Ronald Reagan is president, and <laughs> Doc Brown can't believe it and makes reference to Jerry Lewis. Aha. Uh-huh. I think at the age of 12, I probably thought it was something to do with Jerry Lee Lewis, the hell-raising pop singer of yesteryear, but obviously it's not. Mm-hmm. Listeners, you're wondering, why are we talking about Jerry Lewis? Well... In the past, we have done a few stories where our sort of launch point for doing it has been to be able to ask the question, which Earth is this taking place on? Now, we did the Inferior 5 because it featured appearances from some Marvel superheroes and some DC mm-hmm. superheroes. It was quite interesting. And Peter had the idea a while ago that we could do one of the Jerry Lewis stories because this suggestion is that either there's a Jerry Lewis in the DC universe or all of these characters are on Jerry Lewis's own Earth in the multiverse. Wow. Or it could just be a bit of fun. Could be. Could be. We'll discuss that as we go on. The comic that Jerry Lewis appeared in ran all the way from 1952 to 1971. Now, the first 40 issues co-starred his former entertainment partner, shall we say, Dean Martin, who I must admit Mm. I'd heard of a long, long time before I was consciously aware of Jerry Lewis. (laughs) Jerry and Dean were in the first 40 issues. Jerry took it on solo, as it were, from issue 41. that's published in September 1957. And the final 124th issue was published, as I said, on the 4th of March 1971. Do you have any issues of these? Have you read many of them yourself? I've read quite a few, but I don't actually own any, so... Right. I used to, I think as I probably said, I used to own the issue of Jerry Lewis that Superman was in. And I think the only issue I have at the moment 
is one that has something to do with the abominable snowman on the cover. Oh, and excellent. I have that just purely by fluke because it was in a bundle that I bought from eBay from someone in the States that had a few issues of our fighting forces that I didn't have. I've ended up with that by accident. Now, Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin were not the only real-life people to have their own DC comic. Bob Hope, if you remember him, kids, oh, yes. had his own comic that ran from November 1949 to final issue published on the 7th of December 1967. Wow. Can you believe? Okay. The final issue to cover by Neil Adams. <gasps> of course it did. It's interesting. I'm trying to remember if there's any issues of Bob Hope that feature appearances from DC superheroes, but I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't know offhand. The actor Alan Ladd had a comic which ran for nine issues between August 1949 and December 1950, published by DC. Hopalong Cassidy, probably blurring the edges slightly. Fawcett Comics published a comic featuring him between 1943 and 1953, which DC picked up with issue 86, which ran all the way up to issue 135 in 1959. And Pat Boone, the pop singer, ask your parents or your grandparents or your great-grandparents, kids. He managed a whole five issues between July 1959 and March 1960. And also, as Pete and I discussed earlier on, there was the Sergeant Bilko spin-off comic, which yes. probably happened off the back of Phil Silvers. Yes, absolutely. No. And it even had its own spin-off comic, which is uh, Sergeant Bilko's Private Doberman. Yes. I actually got one of those when I was very young, and I've still got it to this day. Wow, sir. Yeah. I'll need to look at that at some point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Bilko comic ran between 1957 and 1960 for 18 issues, and Private Doberman's spin-off ran between 1958 and 1960 for 11 issues. And I suppose... If we're going to talk about DC Comics series that were based on sitcoms, we should talk about The Many Lives of Dobie Gillis that ran from March 1960 to August 1964 for a whole 26 issues, Jackie Gleason and The Honeymooners that ran between April 1956 and February 1958 for a whole 12 issues, and of course, Welcome Back Quarter, which ran for 10 issues between 1976 and 1977. Listeners, there are no depths to our research. (laughs) We will go anywhere if it means uh-huh. we can record an episode that might be shorter than our JLA 78-79 episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please, yes. That would be great. <laughs> yes, as I said at the top, and I'm going to pause for breath in a moment and give Peter a chance, there were four issues of The Adventures mm-hmm. of Jerry Lewis that featured appearances from DC superheroes. We are going to read issue 112, which was published on the 18th of March 1969. So I suppose this is our first flashback episode in a while. That's the one that featured The Flash. Mm. How appropriate. Yes, because he's, as Pete said this afternoon... He's basically the harbinger of the multiverse. Yes. I think the phrase you used this afternoon was linchpin. He's the linchpin of the multiverse. <laughs> I wasn't trying to... <laughs> Flash of Two Worlds popularised the concept. Yes. And basically the Flash has been at the forefront of a lot of the integration of the GSA and Earth 2 characters. Mm-hmm. Certainly initially. And the popularity of it all stemmed from Flash 1, 2, 3. Yes, and as we all know... Although I'm not going to say too much about it at this point. He's a very important character in Crisis and Infinite Earths, which is our end point target for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Pete's has been very nice, listeners, in that he's prepared some summaries for the, the three Jerry Lewis comics featuring DC superheroes that we're not going to read. Yes. So over to you, Pete. Okay, let's jump in with Jerry Lewis, issue 97. This was Batman Meets Jerry. The setup for Jerry Lewis at this point is Jerry lives with his nephew at Renfrew. Yes. And they have a housekeeper called Craft. That's Craft with a K, and she's actually a witch. Do you get it? Oh, witchcraft. All oh, right, that took right. me a moment. That's quite, that's, that's quite good. Uh-huh. 
So, in this story, Witchcraft Santa's sick, so she goes to stay with her aunt for a couple of weeks. Now, Jerry's nephew Renfrew watches the Batman TV show and decides that he and Jerry should become crime fighters. He puts together costumes and they become Ratman and Rotten, the boy blunder. <laughs> Outstanding. Whilst practising roof racing, a neighbour calls the police and they are taken to police headquarters. But as they are just another pair of nuts trying to imitate Batman and Robin, the police turn them loose. Now back home, the costume criminal the kangaroo mistakes their house for the Whirlby Mansion, hops down the chimney, <laughs> finds they don't have one, crashes into Renfrew's room, assumes Renfrew is the Whirlby kid and kidnaps him instead of the family jewels. When Ratman, that is Jerry, tries to stop him, he knocks himself out with a ratarang and wakes up tied and gagged. Good grief. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Right. Jerry is then rescued by Batman and Robin, who have already helped Catman and Kitten, who get hung <laughs> up in a tree, Fatman and Tubbin, who try to enter the Lincoln Tunnel and get stuck, Flatman and Ribbon, the taped crusaders. I thought that would happen. Who nearly hung themselves. <laughs> and Sadman and Sobbin, the crying thing fighters. <laughs> Who almost drowned in their own tears. Oh gosh, goodness me. After solving a clue, the three of them take the Batmobile to the kangaroo's hideout. Is there not a Spider-Man villain called the kangaroo? There is indeed. <laughs> ah, which came first, I wonder? Now Renfrew has convinced the kangaroo and his son Gregory that they should steal things that are easy to sell. As the trio arrive, the villains leave to kidnap movie star Tuesday Moore. They are interrupted, but escape in the kangaroo plane, leaving a series of clues which leads to the Batman Land amusement park. Meanwhile, the American Society of Costumed Villains meeting, which is being held in Batman's head in Batman Land, criticises the kangaroo for muffing 12 jobs in his first 24 hours. <laughs> so they all don kangaroo costumes in which to frame the kangaroo, and then attack Batman and Robin when they arrive. The real kangaroo then arrives with Tuesday Moore, and just as the Joker is about to kill Jerry, he is saved when all of the fake kangaroos are magically attracted to mementos of old cases, as the kangaroo is revealed to be witchcraft. Oh, wow. And Gregory is Kraft's niece, Xenia, who did it all to teach Jerry that he couldn't get along without her. There we are. Blimey. It's got that famous cover of the Joker in a gym. And Batman and Robin bursting out. Yes. Quite well known, that one. I think I remember seeing that the greatest team-up stories ever told. Mm -hmm. that, that cover. This is actually the second time that Jerry has met Batman. The first was on the actual Batman TV series. All right. And it's the episode of The Bookworm Turns, starring Roddy McDowell's The Bookworm. And when Batman and Robin are scaling a wall, Jerry opens the window and talks to them. Ah! As one of those classic celeb cameos that he used to have. That's quite interesting. Mm -hmm. We'll have to see if we can find an image of that and maybe put it on the socials. That's interesting. Yeah. In this story as well, Jerry seems to know that Batman is Bruce Wayne because, of course, he watches their adventures on TV. <laughs> but no one else in the story seems to know this. Blimey. How bizarre. They obviously must be watching whatever was on the other channel. <laughs> so that was Batman Meets Jerry. Now, there's only one way you can follow that, and that's with issue 105, and the story is called Superman Meets Jerry. Right. Now, in this story, Lex Luthor uses a robot as a trap for Superman. And when the Man of Steel destroys it... He was contaminated with kryptonite dust. Mm. Now, a weakened Superman in his Clark Kent persona is given the job of interviewing a preteen. Unfortunately, Perry White chooses Renfrew, <laughs> Jerry Lewis's nephew. We all saw that coming, didn't we, listeners? <laughs> now, Clark is accidentally soaked by Renfrew and changes clothes, hiding his Superman costume in Jerry's laundry hamper. Now, Jerry finds it, and of course he puts it on. Mm -hmm. So Luther tracks Superman to Jerry's house, sees Jerry in the costume, and jumps to the conclusion that Jerry is the secret identity of Superman. 
He then chases Jerry and tries to shoot him, but the indestructible costume protects Jerry. Now, at this point, witchcraft, Renfrew and Clark go after Luther to try and save Jerry. <laughs> In the chaos that follows, Clark manages to get the costume back from Jerry and blows the kryptonite dust off it. He then puts it on and saves the day. There we are. Thank goodness for that. That's just crazy. And the last one, which is the one that inspired today's episode, is, as you said, issue 117. And it's called Jerry Meets the New Wonder Woman. This is at the time when Wonder Woman was wearing civilian clothes and didn't have the Amazonian powers as such. Yes. So she was more like Emma Peel, as we've discussed before, from the TV show The Avengers. What's interesting, though, is on the cover, though, she does have an outfit which does have a real sort of Greco-Roman, very much a Wonder Woman look to it, though. Mm-hmm. I think that's quite interesting. They obviously felt that you know they were trying to sell it off the back of the Wonder Woman appearance, but they still had to make her recon- slightly recognisable as the actual Wonder Woman. Yeah. I think that's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. It certainly is. In this story, Jerry accidentally hurts Wonder Woman's knee near a theatre. Now, suddenly, Jerry, his nephew and Wonder Woman are transported to Paradise Island, only to discover that the evil Zodor has kidnapped Hippolyta and is demanding the sacred pearl of the Amazons as ransom. While Wonder Woman's broken knee is being treated, Jerry drinks a jar of painkillers by accident and becomes invulnerable. Good grief. Listeners, please do not go around drinking jars of painkillers. No. He's then convinced to lead the quest to save Hippolyta. Hilarity ensues. There we are. That's uh, <laughs> Jerry meets the new Wonder Woman there. That's a very short summary. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Pete's left out quite a few details there, listeners. I suspect because he couldn't be bothered or didn't have the will to get through it. <laughs> I thought Hilarity ensues covered it all after I read it. <laughs> I didn't want to go back and reread it. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. It's quite an interesting story. That's the only one, apart from the Flash one, I've actually read recently. Mm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. quite interesting. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. But no, we have decided, just for the sheer heck of it, and to suggest that there is a multiverse out there where a popular movie star and entertainer, who neither of us know terribly much about, we're not going to give you a potted biography no. or anything. You, no. If you don't know who Jerry Lewis is, I'm sure you can summon the willpower to look him up. Yes. This is us speculating that there might be a whole other Earth devoted to Jerry Lewis's adventures that just happens to have some of the DC heroes upon it. And as we say, we're doing issue 112, if you want to nip round to your local back issue emporium and grab one before you continue listening, published on the 18th of March, 1969. Pete C., would you like to tell everyone about the cover? I certainly shall. At the top, we have Jerry's silly-looking face above the Adventures of Jerry Lewis logo. And beside that, it says, The Flash Meets Jerry. Now, we're in what a handy sign tells us is the Ajax Costume Company. And I do like this cover a lot. It's a lot of fun. We have, on the left-hand side, Jerry looking incredibly goofy, wearing a very baggy Flash costume. Yes. And he's saying to his nephew, Hey, Renfrew, do you think anybody would mistake me for the Flash? And above Jerry, hanging from a light fitting, is Renfrew, who has just spotted something and is covering his eyes. As he answers Jerry, he says, We'll soon find out, Uncle Jerry. And then he's interrupted because he sees Captain Cold burst in, yep. pointing his cold gun at the back of Jerry's head. And he goes, oh, I can't look. But fortunately, the Flash is running in stage right. Yes. Gosh, Fantastic. very dynamic. It is a great cover. I love how it uses the actual Flash logo at the top. Yes. Do we know who drew it? Yeah, it's uh, Bob Oxner and Gaspar Saldino. Terrific. And it's, it's Bob Oxner as well who does the, the interior art too. So right. there we are. There we are. Do we know who wrote the story? It's written by... E. Nelson Bridwell. Oh, well, that's a lot of fun. Good. With all that preamble out of the way, shall we try and do the story? <laughs> Let's jump in. Awesome. Right. Page one. No splash page as such, but at the very top, we have a caption box which says, 
The, the Flash, Flash meets Jerry, Jerry Lewis. Lewis. Terrific. Our opening panel, Jerry and Renfrew are on the pavement approaching a tail shop. Jerry's carrying a blue jumper and a coat hanger. But something interesting is happening. Instead, and very helpfully, Jerry's dialogue covers it. Oh, gee, I wanted to get my good sweater clean, but the tailor seems to be leaving with some friends. Sure enough, we see the tailor, who's an elderly man, thinning hair, moustache, glasses, waistcoat, all that. And he's being literally carried out by the arms by a couple of bad guys, a couple of thugs, one in a sort of orangey-brown suit, one in a reddish-brown suit, the one in reddish-brown, he's kind of thicker set. They're carrying the tailor towards a car. Renfrew's a bit sceptical. He says, Did you say friends, Uncle Jer? In panel two, the bad guys are in the process of hurling the tailor into the back of the car. The larger of the guys still says, Relax, buddy. We're just taking Pops here for a little ride. The tailor, he's not having it. He cries, no, not a ride. And panel three, they're all inside the car now. The large gangster is holding the tailor's mouth shut as Jerry leans down and says, Ah, don't worry. Enjoy your ride. Renfrew and I will mind the store. And the large gangster says, Pops is positively speechless with gratitude. Final panel of page one. Jerry and Renfrew are inside the tailor's shop. We can see some clothes hanging on a rack and a sewing machine. But in the foreground of the panel to the right, there's some rather interesting outfits, mm-hmm. one of which is instantly recognisable as the uniform of Flash villain Captain Cold. And you know what that means, listeners? It means I'm getting to do my Wentworth Miller voice. Hooray! Hooray. Jerry and Renfrew are still stood there, and they notice these interesting clothes. Jerry says, Look at all the fancy costumes, Renfrew. That little old tailor must do a big Halloween business. Yeah? So how come they're all supervillain uniforms? I don't see no Superman or Batman outfits in this joint, Unc. We move to page two. The caption for the first panel says, Uh-oh, here comes Jerry's first customer. And the first customer is a very unusual-looking fellow, wearing an outfit that's basically green-white hoops. He's got a ball and chain around his leg and a number on his back that says 07660. Renfrew is looking at the ball and chain. He's not too convinced. The gentleman is pointing behind Jerry and saying, Hi. I want to trade this uh, get-up for a different one. Like that fur trim job, for instance. Yes, sir. Right away, sir, says Jerry. In panel two, we see this gentleman now wearing the Captain Cold uniform. And he says, ah, perfect. Nice and warm. Jerry's got an inch tape around his neck, which is quite amusing. I wonder if he's had to make (laughs) some adjustments. And he's saying, you sure won't get the sniffles wearing this. Renfrew says, this whole deal looks fishy, Uncle Jer. Why does this bozo need a fur suit and snow goggles on a hot day? He looks like the Flash's enemy, Captain Cold. And the man in the Captain Cold outfit, who we're assuming is Captain Cold, says, You've got a big imagination for a runt. Panel 4, Jerry's walking off carrying the prison uniform, and he says, Yeah, don't be silly, Renfrew. Why would a wanted criminal come to a respectable shop like this? And Captain Cold is thinking, might as well try my cold gun on this little wise guy. And he fires it in Renfrew, encasing him in a block of ice. Renfrew looks startled as Captain Cold thinks, Ah, it works perfectly. Jerry comes back in the final panel to see Renfrew frozen the ice, and he says, Ah, you said it wasn't cold enough for the gentleman to wear a fur suit, and now I can tell you're chilly. A slow dissolve, and then the caption for the first panel on page three says, Meanwhile, as police scientist Barry Allen checks the site of a recent burglary for evidence... Yes, we see Barry as we know him. Maybe a blue suit, red bow tie, close-cropped blonde hair. There's some other police officers in the room. Barry's holding a little piece of card that we can just make out. says, something, tailor shop, something. So it's probably the address 
Barry is thinking. Several of my costumed foes recently staged a mass jailbreak. Hmm. This may be the clue I need. As the Flash, I once arrested a tailor who made apparel for villains. Maybe this card will lead me to another man in the same business. Ah, interesting. So it's not Paul Gambaccini, <laughs> no. or whatever his name is. Paul Gambe. Yeah, the caption for panel two, page three. Unobserved, Barry touches a hidden spring on his ring, causing his Flash costume to shoot out and expand. Terrific. It feels like ages since we've seen that in the podcast. That's a lot of yeah. fun. The mm-hmm. caption then for panel three. And a nanosecond later... And another caption clarifies that and gives us some more context and tells us that, that is... One billionth of a second, in case you didn't know. And panel three shows the Flash speeding along, still bearing the car with the tailor shop address. He arrives at the shop in the next panel. Jerry is holding a sign that says, Delivery boy wanted, inquire within. He sees the Flash racing up and he thinks, I'll have to get another delivery boy to run through thaws out. Say, here comes a speedy looking fellow now. He looks fast enough. Flash draws to a halt. Jerry's holding up a couple of costumes in the next panel and he says, Here, you got the job. Let me give you the addresses so he can deliver all these dandy outfits. And the Flash says, Huh? Uh, sure, chum. And the Flash had probably noticed that one of the outfits that Jerry is holding up has something written on it that says, Bad guy. So that's interesting. <laughs> the other one looks a bit like heat waves. It does, I suppose, actually. Yeah, yeah. now you mention it. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. That maybe answers a question for later on then, maybe. It does, yeah. Mm-hmm. The final panel of page three is a Flash zooming off, carrying these two costumes. And as he runs away, he thinks, Man, oh man, what a bonanza. I recognise every one of these costumes. Imagine the addresses of a dozen villains handed to me by that gibbering idiot. Superb. So, another slow dissolve. We're on top of page four. The caption for the first panel says, In case you think we forgot the little old tailor, let's look in on him and his captors. And we see immediately that the tailor has been kidnapped by none other than Abracadabra. Yay! Who we haven't seen since we did, what was it, issue 171 of The Flash, I think? Run about then, yep. Abra looks pissed, as they might say in America. He's holding up his cape, and the tailor is still being held up under the arms by the two bad guys who captured him earlier. Abracadabra is saying, Start talking, you little weasel, or I, Abracadabra, will see to it that you suffer for it. Where is my wand? And the tailor, who's very, very, very frightened by the looks of things, he cries, Wand? What a wand? Abra continues, and, oh my gosh, Abra looks terrifying in this panel. As if you didn't know. I sent my cape to you for cleaning. It's so difficult to keep a white cape spotless. But I accidentally left my wand in it. When the cape came back, the wand was gone. It could perform all sorts of magic. Actually, the signs of my era, the 64th century. I want that wand back, understand? Without it, I won't be able to make myself the greatest criminal magician alive. And the cross-eyed, bow-tied, mustachioed, bespectacled, eyebrow-raising Taylor says, But, 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 I never saw it. And poor Taylor. Well, helpfully, Abra describes what they've done to him in the next panel when he says, So you insist on being difficult, do you? All right, I'll just leave you on the hook until you agree to talk. Yes, and the tailor is now hanging upside down. His trouser turned up, has been put in a coat hook on the wall, and he has some dialogue, which rather helpfully, we might put this panel on the socials, listeners, his (laughs) dialogue bubble is upside down. So while he's upside down, he cries, 
No, please. I make costumes for thieves, but I don't steal from them. The final panel of page four will be returned to the tail shop. It has a caption and it says, In the meantime, and the meanwhile, look who just thawed out and found the wand. Yes, we see Renfrew, who we should probably describe at this point. He looks like a small boy, mm-hmm. very much in the sort of peanuts sort of mould. Yeah. Larger head, exaggerated features, large eyes. He's wearing a green and yellow striped T-shirt, blue jeans and brown boots. Just a small boy with wide eyes, really. Funny hair. He's standing in a puddle. There's water dripping off him. And he spotted something on the floor. He thinks. Hey, what's that stick? Looks like a magic wand. Don't tell me that tailor has a fairy godmother for a customer, too. And in the first panel of page five, he waves the wand around, thinking, I'll try waving it and, hey, it's making those pins and needles fly out of the pin cushion. Yes, that's what we see. Disaster is about to strike, because in panel two, we see Jerry down on his knees under the sewing table, because we see the machine on top, all the pins flying towards his backside, which is poking up in there. As Jerry's hunting on the ground, he says out loud, Ah, gee! Now, where is that pin I dropped? And I guess you guessed it. All of the pins that Renfrew sent flying go flying into his bottom in panel three. And with a yow, he leaps up through the desk, busting through it, sending the sewing machine flying. And he continues up into the air, saying, I think it found me and brought a bunch of friends. Next panel. Helpfully, Renfrew starts picking the pins out of Jerry's backside. And Renfrew says as he does so. I'll pull him out of you, Uncle Jer. She loves me. She loves me not. And then we see there's a sign in the background of the panel which says, not responsible for articles left in pockets. And this prompts Renfrew to say, By the way, does that sign mean we don't have to account for things that people leave in their clothes? In the final panel of this page, Jerry is now standing straight up again, clutching his poor sore bottom, and he says, Sure, Renfrew, if anything gets lost, it's the customer's hard luck. Oh, <laughs> it hurts. And we see in the foreground, Renfrew having an Oh, obviously having evil thoughts. He's a very, very naughty expression on his face as he lifts up the wand and thinks, Oh boy, then this magic wand is mine and I'm going to have fun with it. A caption rounds out page five saying, Fun? Watch it, Jerry, while we look in on the Flash. And the first panel of page six shows the Flash hurling three Nordewells, three bad guys, into a prison cell as a smiling police officer looks on. The Flash is holding a big chain of keys terrific and as he throws the bad guys in the flash is saying there you are the last of the dozen villains i arrested and he thinks now to check out that tailor shop but i'll do it secretly as barry allen and the three bad guys who are falling into the the cell we should probably describe them there's a guy in a kind of gray suit guy in a blue suit guy in a brown suit they're not really identified but the guy at the front is saying i never even got a chance to wear my new uniform and it was such a dandy one with two pairs of tights gosh we are back in the next panel with the tailor and Abracadabra. The tailor is still upside down and his dialogue still upside down. Abra is saying, Are you ready to talk yet? Yes, help! That's not what I meant. I didn't steal your wands, honest. Listen, if you can't trust another crook, who can you trust? The caption for panel three of page six says, And as Barry approaches the store... Yes, we see Jerry looking out the window, Barry back in his civilian gear, walking towards the shop. Barry's come a cropper, but very helpfully Jerry tells us what's happened when he says, Oh joy, a customer! That car just splashed his pants. See, it always confused me. Pants is the British word for underpants, really, but obviously means Barry Allen's trousers. Yes, there's a splash as this car has driven past through the puddle and soaked Barry. Oh no. 
Jerry runs out of the store in the next panel, grabs a hold of Barry by the arm. You can see the water splashing over his trousers. Barry says, Hey, what's this? Let go. Come in here, sir. Clean your trousers while you wait. It'll only take a jiffy. <laughs> the final panel of page six. Jerry's helping Barry off with his trousers. Oh my goodness, they wouldn't do that nowadays, would they? No. Barry is saying, Please don't bother. Oh, no trouble at all. It's our pleasure to serve you. And so we arrive at the top of page seven. The first caption says, A moment later in the back room. Jerry is shaking Barry's trousers, trying to get off the worst of the water, I suppose. And he thinks, Now I'll shake them out before I clean them. In the second panel, we see Barry's costume ring. Well, a caption says, Watch it, Jer. You just shook Barry's flash ring out of his pocket. I've got a question. Mm -hmm. Why was he not wearing the ring? Perhaps it's a spear ring? Hmm, okay. Maybe he's in disguise as a bachelor going into the tailor shop? I don't know. Mm, interesting, <laughs> interesting. Anyway, mm. in panel three, we see Jerry using a cloth to try and mop up the muddy water from Barry's trousers. And there's something I didn't think I'd have to say when I got up this morning. <laughs> Jerry is thinking, Oh, darn! Instead of going away, the stain's getting bigger the more I rub it. Maybe there's something about this business I don't know. Panel four, we're back with Renfrew, who's waving the wand towards a bottle that has cleaning fluid written on it. Mm. Renfrew thinks, Hmm, I wonder what'll happen if I wave it at that bottle. Wow, look at the cloud coming out of it. Yeah, and that's what seems to happen. A, a cloud is, obviously, it looks like the, the fluid is evaporating or is being transformed. In the next panel, the cloud turns into a rain cloud of sorts, and the cleaning fluid rains onto Barry Allen's trousers. That's something else I didn't think I'd say this morning. Jerry says, <laughs> Hey, the pants are coming clean at last. And Renfrew, a smirking Renfrew, watches this, stands behind Jerry and thinks, Yeah, because the cleaning fluid cloud is raining on him. But it's shrinking him too. Final panel of page seven. Jerry Lewis looking incredibly goofy here. Listeners, I have to apologise. I'm not desperately familiar with him. <laughs> this is probably the worst Jerry Lewis impression you've heard in your life. Not to worry, Jerry is now ironing Barry's trousers. And with his tongue sticking out, obviously showing he's concentrating, Jerry says, Now I will carefully press the pants. Renfrew, clutching his stomach and having a laugh, thinks, <laughs> When Uncle Jerk gets going, I don't have to use the wand to foul things up. He doesn't even smell the burning. What we first thought to be steam coming off Barry's trousers, it looks like it was actually smoke. Jerry's probably got the iron turned up too high. This is not going well. Oh, no. The first panel, page eight. Barry Allen's hand extends from inside a changing room as Jerry hands him his trousers. You still see what appears to be a bit of smoke coming from them. Jerry says, Here you are, sir. Your trousers are as good as new. They'd better be. In panel two, Barry stands revealed. Jerry says, Beautiful job, eh? And Barry stands with his trousers shrunk up almost to the knee and holes over his thighs and some other dubious marks and he looks very annoyed and says, Yeah, for a midget. They're shrunk and have holes in them. Where did you learn how to be a tailor? Cutting out paper dolls? <laughs> this is terrible humiliation for the Scarlet Speedster, who walks off in the next panel, leaves the shop, walks off saying, If you think I'm going to pay for this atrocity, you're stupider than you look, if that's possible. Sir, says Jerry, watching him go, At this shop, nothing is impossible. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. And we're back inside the shop for the final panel of page eight, Renfrew looking at Flash's ring, and looking very gormless as he thinks, what do you know? I found something else that fell out of a pocket. I wonder what this ring is good for. And the caption closes out page eight, and it says, The Flash could tell you, Rennie boy, but you'll find out on the second page following. 
West that page is taken up with an advert for Revel or Revel model kits. We turn the page as an advertisement for the giant Superboy 156. We keep going. Ooh. The caption for the first panel on page 9 says, Let's take another peek in Abracadabra's hideout and see if anything's changed. Nothing really has. Abra, still yelling at the tailor. Abra says, Are you ready to talk yet? Where is my wand? I don't have it. Let me up. The blood's rushing to my head. And what also seems to have happened is that one of the tailor's socks and shoes is a different colour from the other one. That's terrible. <laughs> Abracadabra's magic for you. He must have some residue. Abra is not having it. He says, At least you have something in it now. Hmm. Caption for panel two. No, nothing's changed. So, back to the shop. Yep, Jerry has noticed the ring in Renfrew's hand. He grabs it from him, saying, Renfrew, what are you doing with that ring? It must have been lost by some customer. you got to give it back. But you said if they lost anything, it was their hard luck. Never mind what I said. Do like I say. The next panel is definitely going on the socials as Jerry accidentally activates the Flash's costume ring. The costume goes flying up into the air as Jerry says, Goodness me! The ring didn't fall out of a suit. The suit was in the ring. I touched something and it popped out. It looks like that delivery boy's outfit. I'm going to have a heck of a time stuffing it back in the ring. Jerry obviously hasn't recognised what it is. He's holding the Flash's costume in this panel. But Renfrew, with his head in his hands, he obviously knows what's going on because he cries, Uncle Jer, that's the Flash's costume. Go ahead, try it on. And Jerry does, in the final panel of page nine. He manages to get a tune out of one of the lightning bolts in the Flash's ear, as in a little ping. And Jerry, as the Flash says, Say, it is a dandy uniform and such cute little wings over the ears. Renfrew, who looks grotesque in this panel, says, <laughs> Terrific, Unc. You look like a real superhero. First panel of page 10. Close-up of Jerry as the Flash, looking suitably gormless in the ill-fitting costume. Jerry ponders and says, But I better not keep it on. The Flash will want it back, because he can't fight villains in his underwear. Renfrew, who I'm actually starting to dislike, <laughs> seems to sneak off here, and he thinks, Oh, boy. I'll have to do something fast or Uncle Jerk will end all the fun. Where's that wand? In panel two, well, we see him waving the wand and thinking, I'll point it at him and, hey, it's shooting some kind of energy at his boots. Panel three, we see the energy striking the Flash's boots. And Jerry says, say, what's making my feet tingle? Panel two, it's almost like he's lost control of his legs. <laughs> They're moving around independently as he stands with his hands on his hips and says, there's something very peculiar going on. I'm standing still, but my feet keep moving. And in the next panel, he cries, Help! As he seems to be, well, he continues by saying, They're running away with me. I can't control them. Maybe I got a simple case of athlete's foot. He's running about, and in the first stunning panel of page 11, that's definitely going into socials. Mm, without a doubt. It's a sort of montage, really, of Jerry zooming around the tailor shop, sending coat hangers and irons and mannequins and sewing machines and scissors flying. He just rushes around saying, I got super speed like the Flash. I'm wrecking the joint. My feet are killing me. They're running me into all sorts of stuff. Help! Bad feet! And there's a little inset panel of Renfrew having a right old laugh, and he thinks, Ha <laughs> ha! I knew that wand would give me some laughs. This is like something out of the Beano, isn't it? It is very much it's, so, yeah. It's a lot of fun. There's <laughs> only one more panel on page 11. It has a caption. And, meanwhile, at Abracadabra's hangout, which is a hang-up to the tailor... Yes, the tailor's in the background of the panel, still with one turn up on a coat hook. And you can see that his head... A good shot of you here that his head's actually balanced with an upside-down pail or bucket. 
He cries, Have a mercy. And Abra and one of his colleagues are at the front of the panel. Looks like they're leaving. Abra says, All right. I believe you don't have the wand, but I'll find it. At your shop. Just wait here. They take their leave, presumably. The first panel, page 12, has a caption. It says, And as for Barry... We see Barry marching along, looking ridiculous in his damaged (laughs) and shortened trousers. He's got his hand in his pocket, and he has realised something. He thinks, My ring. It's missing. It must have fallen out of my pocket at that tailor shop. I can't go looking for a flash costume as Barry Allen, though, which means I'll have to get my spare costume from home. I'll zoom there at such speed no one can see me. That's a great panel of Barry leaping into super speed. The next panel, he arrives home. And there's some nice bit of comedy business here, actually, which is quite funny for regular readers of the comic, because we see Iris yeah. Allen, Barry's long-suffering wife, God bless her, one of our heroes, sat in a big chair, wrapped up, and she's got a towel around her neck, a hot water bottle, the looks of it on her head, and she's got her feet in a basin, and there's a box of tissues next to her, she's holding a cup of tea, as Barry zooms in and around her, sending flowers and magazines flying, runs past her, and poor Iris sneezes, achoo, and says, Barry! Must you run in so fast? You stir up a draft. Ever since we got married, I've had a cold. Barry simply says, Hi, Iris, honey. He continues in the next panel. Sorry, dear, but this is an emergency. I have to use my spare uniform. And we see him activating another costume ring and his uniform expanding as it makes contact with the air. Yay. The next panel, he zooms off. Will you see one of his feet as he cries, So long. And poor Iris, caught in the draft. <laughs> All she can say is, Please stop making it so windy. And then, ka-choo, as she sneezes again. Iris, come back soon. The caption for the first panel of page 13 says, But even while Flash is en route... Yes, we're back to the tail shop. Jerry, as the Flash is still zooming around, Abra and his two gangsters have arrived. Jerry's in the process of saying, Please, somebody save me from these crazy feet. Abra is raging and cries, Aha! My old enemy, the Flash. Get him! Two gangsters jump and grab Jerry Flash. The first gangster, who hasn't spoken yet, says, He's got boss. And his pal says, Yeah, now that we got him, what do we do with him? And Jerry, who's actually quite grateful for this, as they shove him down to the ground and grab hold of his face and his feet, says, Oh, thank you, kind sirs. You stop me. You carry him towards Abra. In panel four, as Abra says, So, I have you in my power. My arch-foe, The Flash. Me? The Flash? You have the wrong chap. I assure you, sir, I ain't him. And the next panel, we see Renfrew walking forward with Abra's wand. Renfrew looks very pleased with himself as he says, Hey, Flash, if it wasn't for my wand, you wouldn't have been able to run so fast. Abra's attention is piqued. His moustache seems to be twirling as he realises what's going (laughs) on. And he thinks, My wand... That little creep has it. Then he says to Renfrew in the next panel, Come here, you sweet little fellow. I believe you have my wand. Here's a reward for finding it. A whole dime. How much is a dime? Ten cents? Yes. That's not very good. He's not going to even be able to buy a full comic at that price at that point, is he? Not at that time. No. We're past it all in colour for a dime period. Exactly. Terrible. Renfrew looks defiant and says, A dime? You're rewarding me or penalising me. Keep back, Buster, or I'll sizzle you with this. Yeah, the wand glows in the first panel of page 14. Renfrew strikes. As Abra moves towards him, Renfrew says, Okay, you asked for it, so... Yipes! 
It's shooting flowers! Indeed, a massive burst of, well, not an expert in flowers, but of all sorts of varieties and shapes and sizes and colours of flowers go hurling towards Abra, who's not too worried. He just laughs. <laughs> and to panel two, page 14, Abra moves towards Renfrew. Nice, interesting, silhouetted panel here. Mm. Abra says, You don't know how to control the wand. Give it to me. Renfrew, in silhouette, also says, Not in your life, clown. You want it? Chase it. Fetch, boy! And with that, he throws the wand. The caption for panel three... But somebody else beats Cadabra to it. The Flash has arrived, the proper Flash, the real Flash, has arrived back at the tail shop. He opens the door and gets struck in the head. Oh no, with the wand. As the Flash is in the process of saying... I want to see you about... Ugh. Oh gosh. In panel four, we see the Flash down the ground. Abra! Well, he looks quite pleased. He says... Another Flash. And he's at my mercy too. But which is the real one? And he seems to be patting Renfrew's head here, almost as if he's glad for what's happened. Renfrew looks very excited and points at Jerry, who's still wearing the other Flash uniform. Renfrew says, Are you out of your skull? Look at my Uncle Jer. And Jerry doesn't want this to happen. He says, No, don't look. In the next panel, almost looks as though Renfrew is singing some kind of <laughs> expansive operatic solo as he says, His clean-cut features, his bold, heroic stance... His fantastic grace. Is there anybody else who could be the fastest man alive? <laughs> Jerry Flash looks very annoyed as he says, Renfrew, stop helping me. <laughs> <laughs> the first panel, page 15, almost looks as though Jerry's hovering in a spot. He's vibrating so much. As Abra confronts him, Jerry's in the process of saying, Truly, sir, he clasps his hands. I am not the Flash. I am a poor but honest schnook. Then what gave you the incredible speed I saw you display, schnook? In the foreground of the panel, the real Flash, Barry Allen Flash, is coming to his senses. We can see some stars twirling around his head as he rubs it and thinks, Oh, what hit me? And then he spots the body. Abracadabra! Barry is straight into action, panel two. He thinks, First to sew these hoods together. Ah, they're as helpless as if they were wearing straitjackets. Yeah, because he's grabbed a needle and thread and at high speed he's sewn the sleeves of Abra's accomplices together and then stitched them together too. And then in panel three... The Flash zooms over to Kadabra, punches him, sending him flying, saying, You're next, Kadabra. I think we should iron out our differences. Abra makes an <clears throat> noise as he lands in a massive big heating press. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is terrifying. Panel four, <laughs> Renfrew jumps on the pedal that operates the, the press, and the press closes on Abra. <gasps> Renfrew says, Whee! Let's give him a real neat press job. And you've probably guessed what's going to happen, listeners. Final panel of page 15, they open the press and see that Abra has been squashed completely flat. Renfrew looks delighted and says, Looks like his schemes went flat, huh, Flash? And the Flash says, Right, Renfrew. Now I can stick him in an envelope and mail him to jail. And poor Abra, you, you almost expect a sad trombone on the soundtrack at this point. <laughs> I think they must be on their own earth, really. The law, the physical <laughs> laws obviously don't apply because he's squashed completely flat and he's, even his moustache has been stretched out on either side of his face. Abra says, At least all the wrinkles are out of my suit. Listeners, you'll be delighted to know there are only two panels left. First panel of page 16. The Flash takes his leave, taking the two gangsters who are still stitched together with him. As he departs, he says, this makes a clean sweep. I already arrested the costume crooks as the dresses you gave me earlier, Jerry. Jerry, who looks positively Simeon-like in this panel, says, Did you catch Captain Cold too? No, my wife caught cold. Ba-dum-bum. 
Jenny continues, What'll that poor tailor do when he finds out he lost all his customers? He was in with them, and I'll see he's put in with them again. In prison, that is. And the Flash takes his exit. And final panel, Jerry is floating in midair. He doesn't seem to have realised. He says, Am I glad Flash is his ring back? What a relief to know Renfrew won't be getting into any more mischief with that wand. And we see that the reason Jerry is floating in midair is because Renfrew still has the wand. He's pointing at him and gesturing and very smugly thinks, I think I'm getting the hang of how to work it. And Jerry's feet hover above one final little caption that reads, The, the End. And underneath that is an advertisement for that issue of JLE we talked about when John Jones left and there's a big arrow pointing at it saying point no return and that's what exactly what okay. I feel right now but at least we're finished. <laughs> there we are, Jerry Lewis. My goodness, that was a lot of fun. So, did you enjoy that one? Yes. <laughs> it was very silly. It was fun. I mean, nothing read too many Jerry Lewis comics. I imagine it's probably mm-hmm. fairly representative. Yeah. Interesting seeing Captain Cold and Kadabra, uh-huh. especially heightened version of, of Arbron, the comedy hijinks with Barry and Iris. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I think it was definitely worth doing. Well, absolutely. Yes, I think. I also think this is the best out of the, the four superhero Jerry Lewis stories. Mm-hmm. It's snappier. Right. There's less faffing about, less filler. Right. Because it is only like a 16-page story. There's It just gets to the point and hits you with the jokes. Yeah. It's a lot of fun and it's really enjoyable and it's just goofy nonsense. And Flash villains work really well for goofy nonsense, mm. especially Abracadabra. It's mm-hmm. incredible. Because they are sort of slightly heightened, I suppose. They are almost caricature. Yeah. I suppose it also means as well, this issue, that Barry Allen encounters yet another <laughs> different version of The Flash. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, it's only Jerry Lewis in his spare costume, or his True. actual costume, but... Yeah, it's a Flash costume, he has super speed at that point. Uh-huh. If we were having to twist the listeners' arms to persuade them why, why we were doing this, that's maybe another reason. Another double Flash team-up. Mm. Yes. <laughs> no, it was a lot of fun. That's, that's probably all there is to uh-huh. say. I mean, the artwork's a lot of fun. Yeah. Do I feel inspired to go and investigate and more Jerry Lewis? Probably not, because I'd probably just be annoyed at how good or bad my impression was. <laughs> no, it was fun. Mm-hmm. And I think a, a nice, refreshing change of pace, I think, definitely. after some of the ones we've done recently. Mm-hmm. It was good. I'm definitely intrigued, though. I, I do feel that I want to kind of get a hold of the, the Batman and Super Wonder Wonder Room ones and read them properly myself. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. A nice little sidestep, I think, and I think we can afford to do them occasionally. Good. Good. Now, the Crisis Companion that we often refer to places yes. the Jerry Lewis stories on Earth-12, the same Earth as the Inferior 5 and, ah. and Plastic Man and that sort of thing. And it really does fit yes. in with the goofy, wacky, cartoony nature of, of that Earth. I think especially the Inferior 5, there's a definite, if I was mm-hmm. to compare them to anything else I think we talked about, I think the Inferior 5 is probably yeah. the closest. And as we said in the Inferior 5 episodes, there is, on that Earth that they are based on, there is a version of the Justice League, so it's very possibly the same versions that appear in this. Well, isn't it still slightly contentious that they were on Earth-12? Didn't we say at the end that there was nothing in those stories that actually said that they were from Earth-12? It's only their appearance yep. in the Oz Wonderland War that when they're looking for Earth-12. Mm-hmm. But yes, I suppose if the, for the sake of argument, if the Crisis <laughs> Companion ascribes them to Earth-12, then I suppose that's probably yeah. where they are. We're not going to see them in the podcast for a long time. Yeah, but there certainly is a Justice League on whatever Earth they're on. Yes, that's true. So it makes sense that this is the same version. And analogues of Iron Man and Spider-Man and Submariner Fantastic Four and the (laughs) X-Men and all sorts of stuff. And Mm. yeah, listeners, if you haven't read the Inferior 5 since we last talked about them, go and honestly do yourself a favour and get hold of some Inferior 5 because they're a lot of fun. 
Do we have any contemporary correspondence to look at, Peter? No, sadly, the letters pages don't have letters from fans. They just seem to have comments by Jerry, or, or letters from Jerry, I should say, to the reader. So, Do they talk about the stories, or is it like Doctor Who's letters at the start of Doctor Who Weekly? Yeah, it's more like that, really. They don't really talk right. about the stories much, uh, but yes. Okay, that's a shame. Yeah, it's just more comedy shtick, really. So, yeah. So, yeah. I'm wondering now... If there's ever been an issue of alter ego or back issue or comic book marketplace or comic book artists that ever dealt with the, the Jerry Lewis and Bob Hope type comics, there probably has been, hasn't there? There must not be. Not to my knowledge, no. Or else I would have tried to track it down, but uh, no, not to my knowledge. Well, Tomorrow's Publishing, if you're listening, mm-hmm. that's an idea for something. If you run out anytime soon, it might be worth talking about or, you know, yeah. you never know. You've got two sales right here. so yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, as we say... A little different this week, just nice mm-hmm. to flex it up and explore. I mean, we've said all along that any time we can find an excuse to perhaps do a series or talk about a series that we wouldn't normally talk about, like, for example, yeah. the, the Dimensional Caper, so we could talk about the Teen Titans and we talked about yeah. What's-His-Face. Dimension Man. So we could talk about Challengers of the Unknown. So it's nice just to kind of mm. talk about something else that maybe stretches the parameters of the storytelling and... yeah. Suggest that might have, there might be yet another Earth that was destroyed before Crisis and Infinite Earth started. That wouldn't that be fun to see Renfrew dissolving in a cloud of antimatter? Spoilers: <laughs> attacked by shadow demons. That'd be fantastic. Oh yeah, superb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll get them. Jerry crying as he watched them going in the antimatter cloud and swallowing them up. Yeah, that's the when Peter mm-hmm. and I write our own DC comic and we write our sequence of Crisis and Infinite Earth prologue vignettes. That'll be the first one. Just you wait and see. Yep. Yep. Well, I'm glad that one's out of the way. <laughs> Indeed. Are you glad that one's out of the way, listeners? You can let us know. You can email us at the Earth 2 podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media on Facebook and Instagram. We're at the Earth 2 podcast and on Twitter at podcast underscore Earth 2. We'll have some lovely bonus material for you this and every week. Yes, at the very least this week we'll stick up the, the cover and some panels from this story and probably the covers of the other superhero ones. And Yeah, we'll think of something. There might not be too much else this week, so it might be a quiet <laughs> one, but not to worry. That'll get, save me a little bit of time in the mornings. But yes, listeners, as always, thank you for listening. If you feel inclined, please go to wherever it is you receive your podcasts and give us a positive review. Please, if you feel inclined, feel free to share our tweets or share our Facebook or Instagram posts and spread the word if you enjoy the podcast. That'd be a lot of fun and we'd be very, very grateful for it. And on that note, I've been Peter. And I've been David. We'll see you again very soon on... The Earth 2 Podcast. Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. Oh...